0: My name is Ryan Schreckengast, uh, one of the preachers here at GFC, and I want to ask you this morning if you have ever faced a circumstance that requires you to endure in faith. A personal example for me is when my son Aiden, who is our oldest child, was a newborn. I found myself terrified by all of the things ...that could potentially go wrong with this new little life. I had trouble sleeping because I had to wake up and check every few minutes that he was still breathing. Can anyone relate to that fear? My faith in the Lord was tested because although God did not promise... ...that nothing terrible would happen to my son, I needed the faith to believe... That whether my son lived or was taken by God, the character of God was still good. That's one of the times in my life where I distinctly remember and can point to the working of the Holy Spirit to encourage me to endure in my faith in who he is. And so I was able, finally, through that miraculous work of the Spirit, to sleep confident in the character of God. Maybe you're here this morning in the midst of a season of your life where your faith is being tested. Maybe your health is poor or you're in broken relationships with others. Maybe your career is in jeopardy. Friends, how do you endure in faith How do you not lose hold of God in the midst of those times of suffering? The book of Hebrews has some crucial exhortation for the church in a similar time of testing in their faith. As they faced trial and persecution, they needed to be encouraged to endure in their faith. Maybe you're in that same place this morning. Do you need God? Do you need the Holy Spirit to encourage your heart such that you have supernatural ability to endure in your faith through suffering? Well, if that's where you are this morning, I am excited to share with you from Hebrews 11, which is on page 947 if you got one of the Bibles from the lobby. Because in today's text, we receive assurance from God that faithful endurance is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Faithful endurance is fulfilled in Christ. That is the message that the first century believers needed to hear. And I believe that that is the message that we need to hear this morning. Why must we endure in our faith? The author of Hebrews gives his audience three reasons. We must endure because the promises of God cannot begin to be fulfilled without faith. We must endure because the promises of God are not invalidated by suffering and most of all we must endure because the promises of god are fully fulfilled in christ hebrews 11 verses 1 through 16 lays this first foundation for how faith is the crucial beginning to the fulfillment of god's promises Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found. Because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who please him, who seek him, sorry. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Let's pause there. Friends, in these verses, the author of Hebrews reminds his audience of the faith Of the forefathers of Israel. And he shows how the promises of God cannot begin to be fulfilled without faith. Faith in verses 1 through 5 is the mechanism by which the people of God receive a commendation from God. That is the praise and the honor of God. In verse 4, God God honors Abel's faith by accepting his sacrifice, and he counts it as righteousness. In verse 5, God commends the faith of Enoch, by which God is actually pleased by him. In verse 7, God praises the faith of Noah by providing the salvation for Noah's house. In each of these cases, faith is the necessary beginning for receiving the promises of God. In fact, in verse 6, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what is faith? Simply put, faith is believing that what God says is true. That's faith, friends. But is it enough to have that faith once and be done? How long must we endure in our faith? Is it enough for me? To believe that the character of God was good when my son was a newborn? Or will my faith in God's character continue to be tested as Aiden is 10 or 16 or 25? Friends, will my faith in the character of God endure through his lifetime even if something terrible happens and that friends is when endurance in faith can really be tested and that is where the promises of god go so much deeper did you catch what the author said here in verse 13 because it's easy to stop reading at verse 12 These great men and women of faith were commended by God for their faith, and yet that was only the beginning. They all died not having received the things promised. wait a minute, (laughs) something seems off there. I thought that we were supposed to feel encouraged to endure this morning. Is this text saying that these so-called heroes of the faith died without having received the things promised? Yes. (laughs) And that doesn't make me feel very encouraged. Did God commend them or not? Did he fulfill his promises or not? Did Abel, Enoch, and Noah in verse ten, in or in verses eight through ten, did Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, did they receive the land that was made by God? In verse 11, did Sarah receive the promised power to conceive her numberless offspring? Yes, they did. Because they were commended by their faith. But I could stop there. And if I were trying to just make this surface level, I would encourage someone struggling to endure in their faith... In the easiest way and simply say, look at what God gave to them on this earth. Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Enoch was taken bodily to live with the Lord. Noah's family was saved from the flood. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob took possession of the promised land and Sarah bore the son Of covenant. But that. Is only. The beginning. The author of Hebrews. Takes this drastic shift. He concludes in verse 13. That they died. Without. Having received. Fully. What was promised. How can he make such a statement. He continues. That they greeted them. From afar, these promises of God, they saw them just in the briefest glimpse, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Friends, they know that the promises of God cannot begin to be fulfilled without faith. And they recognize that the promises of God are too enormous to be fully fulfilled on this earth. Why? Because this is not their home. And so in the midst of God's miraculous works in their lives... Even then, they recognize that God has more to offer them. God was capable of even greater things. Of which their entire lives of seeing God work. Is merely like a far off greeting. Like a Zoom call. It does not Satisfy because God promised even greater righteousness than the sacrifices of Abel. God promises an even greater way to please him than Enoch ever experienced. God promises an even greater salvation than from a global flood. God promises a greater land for the children of God and even greater offspring for the descendants in faith of Sarah. Friends, it was for their faith, not their works, for which God commended these men and women. And that faith was in An even greater fulfillment of God's promises than they could possibly know in a single lifetime. And that, friends, that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. How does this apply? Friends, the promises of God cannot begin to be fulfilled. Without faith. If you want to experience. That righteousness. That blessing. The salvation. And that future with God. Then you must have faith. You must believe. That what God says is true. Is true. Because you cannot receive faith the blessing of God, without faith in Him. And once you have that faith, you must endure in that faith. Friends, because this earth is merely the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. These great fathers of the faith... Received a commendation from God, and yet they did not receive from Him what was promised. Faith is the starting line, and enduring faith is the race. And we will get to the finish line soon. <laughs> So will you still believe that God is good? Even if you lose your job. Or if you lose a loved one or God forbid, a child. Will you believe that your sin is paid for by the blood of Jesus when you face the consequences from your lies? Will you believe that God is a God who heals even when your body gets sicker? Will you have faith for God to walk with you through your entire life, even when you are abandoned by everyone else? Friends, even, and maybe especially, when you face a world full of suffering, That tests your faith in God. You must endure in your faith. And that is where the author takes his argument. In verses 17 through 38. Endure because the promises of God. Are not invalidated by suffering. Verse 17. By faith Abraham. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king... For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Friends, look at how the author of Hebrews shows the enormity of God's promises available to those ...who have faith. He shows... ...that they can endure... ...this suffering... ...because suffering... ...has never... ...invalidated... ...the promises of God. In verse 17... ...Abraham... ...was tested by God. He, he received the promise. God said, this is how your offspring... ...will continue... And then he was willing to, to give it up? He was willing to sacrifice the explicit promise that God gave him through his faith. In verses 21 and 22, both Jacob and Joseph, these great men of faith, die... Without seeing God's promise fulfilled in their people. And in verse 24 through 30, Moses' entire life, from his birth to his death, are one long trial of faith, of infanticide, and mistreatment, and fear, and disappointment... Yet, in verse 26, it says that he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. How can that be? How, how can it be that he would consider the reproach of Christ Who would not be born for 1,500 years so highly. He can value this, friends. Because of his faith. He knew that the Christ was coming. He knew that the promises of God could not be fulfilled without faith. And he knew that the promises of God could not be fully fulfilled on this earth and during his lifetime. And he knew, friends, though he suffered his whole life, that the promises of God are not invalidated by suffering. But the most important thing he knew Is that faithful endurance is fulfilled in Christ. And so the author goes on into possibly my favorite part of this text in verses 32 through 38. Where he rapid fire sums up 250 years of history. Of the judges and kings and prophets of Israel. And between this 250 years of history, these men and women experienced everything from conquering kingdoms to stopping the mouths of lions to the resurrection from the dead to imprisonment and torture and poverty and bloody murder. Friends, why does the author list all of these things together? Because I think that he clearly means for us to consider this paragraph as a whole. This is the same thing. But what could be in common between the splendor of King David and the suffering of a murdered prophet? That, friends, is the conclusion of the argument. That the impossibly glorious, unspeakably great, utterly immense promises of God are fully fulfilled in Christ. Here is the conclusion of the history of the people of Israel where he started with the creation of the universe and he arrives at today in verses 39 and 40 and all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised why since god had provided something better for us That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Friends, this is what every forefather, ruler, judge, and prophet before Jesus has in common. They did not receive what was promised. But we have... Friends, God has provided for us both a commendation through our faith and the complete and full fulfillment of his promise through that faith. That blows my mind. I can't get over how profound that is. The author is not saying, here are these great men and women of faith. And they did not receive what was promised because God provided something better for them. That I at least could understand. No, he says in verse 40 that they did not receive what was promised because God provided it for us. That only together with us in Jesus Christ could they receive the perfect fulfillment of what God promised. So that begs the question, what do we have that they did not? What have we received that they only greeted from afar? And the answer, friends, is the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ. We have received Jesus. And so we can endure in our faith because the promises of God cannot begin to be fulfilled without that faith. And we can endure in our faith because suffering does not invalidate God's promises. And most importantly of all, we can endure because in Christ, every promise of God is fully fulfilled. Jesus... Is how you and Abel receive perfect righteousness. Jesus is how you and Enoch perfectly please holy God. Jesus is how you and Noah receive a perfect salvation. Jesus is how you and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob receive a perfect, promised dwelling place with God. Jesus is how you and Sarah receive the power to conceive numberless children in the family of God. And friends, like the author of Hebrews... Time would fail me to tell of how Jesus and only Jesus is the perfect satisfaction of every king and prophet and judge that has ever lived. Friends, Abraham saw it. He saw it coming before Jesus was even born. The Christ The Christ is the perfect fulfillment of God's promises. And so, friends, if you have indeed welcomed that Christ as your king and your high priest, then you have him. So how does this apply this morning? Endure in your faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, you have something here today that the fathers of the faith didn't even have. You do not have to wait for God to fulfill his promise to you. If you have Jesus, then you Already have everything. You have everything. If you walk through fire. Or if you're sawn in half. You have everything. If you see your loved ones. Resurrected before your eyes. Or if you are stoned to death. In this very church. You have everything. Everything if there are 12 nations that come from the offspring of your children, or if you are barren until the day that you die, endure in your faith because you have Jesus. What a tragedy to let slip that faith through your fingers for any reason. Friends, the author of Hebrews doesn't point to these heroes of the faith and say, be more like them. He points to them and he says, they dreamed that they could be like you. Where they looked forward to the day of Jesus, you can look into your heart where he is king. So endure in your confession of Christ. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up. Give up on everything else, but don't give up on Jesus. I wonder sometimes, God, Did you not offer me victory over my sin? Why am I still fighting? And when I read this text, Hebrews 11 encourages me to endure in my faith. To do what? To cling to the sanctifying blood of Jesus. I've already received the perfect victory in Jesus. I see my kids bicker and irritate one another, sometimes on purpose. And I wonder, God, did you not offer unity within my family? This text encourages me to endure in my faith that the Holy Spirit is faithful to discipline the hearts of those who love Him. And all I can do is point my children to Christ. Steph and I face big decisions with our health and with our adoption. And we think, God, what is the right thing to do here? This text reminds me to endure in my faith. That Jesus will never leave me. Even if I make the wrong choices. Friends, Jesus is the fulfillment of every good thing that I have ever hoped or prayed for. And He is the fulfillment. And He can be the fulfillment in your life as well. So endure. Because the promises of God cannot begin to be fulfilled without faith. Endure. Because the promises of God are not invalidated by suffering. And most of all, endure because the promises of God are fully fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your son. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your promises fulfilled in his blood. God, in Jesus, we have everything. And apart from him, we have nothing. So I pray, Father God, that you would remind us this morning to endure in our faith... In Jesus. God you have been more faithful than we could hope or imagine. God you offered us salvation not just from death. In a flood. But from eternal death and damnation apart from you. God you have offered us the victory of the blood of your son. Be with us today, Father. Send your Holy Spirit to minister into our hearts. That we would look with awe at the heroes of the faith. Not envying them what they had. But with joy that you have offered your son as something so much greater. Never let us forget, may we endure through all the trials of this life in your son. Amen.